can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. And I'm Matthew Tankard, co-host. Hey, Hannah. And I'm Matthew. <laughs> I'm just imagining doing it like that. <laughs> We can't start this episode without talking about, do you pronounce it Barbenheimer? <laughs> I'm assuming that's yep, it. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it's not a real word, so who cares? Barbenheimer is, if, you're, if you've been living under a rock, that is the meshing of the two. That, well, how would you say it? It's like the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer came out on the same day. People have gone crazy for it and people are seeing five hours doubling up on seeing both. Now, I wanted to ask, have you seen either movie and do you plan on seeing them? Big time. I definitely plan on seeing both of them. I've already seen Barbie. Oh, see, I've seen Oppenheimer. Oh, my God. So, maybe we can give each other a review. Well, and isn't this, this is the whole joke as well, right? Because people are talking about Barbenheimer and meshing it together because, like, the meme of it, I guess, is all the guys want to see Oppenheimer and all the gals want to go see Barbie. But it's often kind of the other way around. (laughs) Well, in this case, it definitely is. Yeah, that's what I mean. All right, tell me about Oppenheimer. We couldn't get, it was Friday the day that it was released. And so Nick and I Mm. wanted to go see it and we couldn't get tickets to the early session. So we had to go to 7.45 and then I didn't realize, but the tickets got sent to my email and it was going to finish at midnight. And I am just too old for this now. I can't stay Mm -hmm. up until midnight at a movie. Anyway, we actually almost didn't go and we couldn't get our money back, but we were like, oh, let's, (laughs) we got to go. So we went and- I thought it was, okay, I'm really embarrassed to say this, but I didn't even know who he was and I sort of went into I sort of went into it. I read like the little like plot thing. Yeah. So I I did know that he was the father of the nuclear, but I didn't know that was that the ending and I I won't spoil it for people that don't know, but there was stuff that I obviously I'm not a I'm not very good with history. You're not a nuke head. <laughs> I'm not. You are a basketball gal, but not a nuke. Not a nuke head. Yeah, I'm really into basketball, but I'm not that into <laughs> science movies and you know autobiographical kind of history. Mm-hmm. But it was look, it was 30 minutes too long. I will say that it was mm, it, it really yeah. dragged on at the end. Yeah, it was really amazing. I'm not that into there's there's black and white scenes, so you know the black and white I could have done without, but he made a director's decision there because the colours from Oppenheimer's point of view and then the black and whites more objective. So yeah, you know. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. So you just go in. I was like, why is it black and white? What's going on? But but then I found out later that's why. Overall, I was engaged the whole time, pretty much. I was tired by the end, but I was engaged. Engaged and I didn't zone out, didn't fall asleep. So yeah, I um, there w- the guy next to me though was really irritating me. He was <laughs> there's like a semi nude scene, and the guys next to us were really immature. Oh, uh, were they like the nudity would happen, yeah. and then they'd be like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, guys, like this is embarrassing. <laughs> like they were really, I'm, it was a bit embarrassing for them. And the other thing with that he 
was eating his popcorn very loudly. But, you know, <laughs> that's cinema going for you. That's the cinema experience for you. I love going to the cinema, but I'm always nervous that I'm... Because I always happen to get, like, really crinkly stuff, like the chalk tops when I'm trying yeah. to open it. It's, like, always in the quietest scene. I loved Barbie. It was great. It was really funny. Caitlin, my girlfriend's a huge Barbie head. She, like, grew up yep. collecting heaps of different types of Barbies, so it was a big deal. Super, super funny. I agree with you, though, that, like, thank God you knew that Oppenheimer was three hours before you actually started because there's nothing worse than yes. being in a cinema and thinking that you're watching, a you know, a cruisy 90-minute movie and then it drags on to three hours. Well, I've got to like, the bomb goes off and you're like, you know, oh, it's almost the end. I can do the test of the bomb. Yeah, yep. And you're like, oh, no, <laughs> there's a lot more to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I found that with Barbie as well. Like, there seemed to be like an ending and then it kind of cruised on for a little little while as well, yeah. going somewhere else. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. not nah, really funny. We're big. Uh, I give it a tick. I am really excited to see Oppenheimer. I'm going to try and see it in IMAX because, you know, I'm a loser. <laughs> but I saw it standard and I think you should see it in IMAX. Definitely. Yeah. Or at least yeah. go to like Hoyts and do like an extreme screen or something. I don't know. We couldn't get in anywhere. So, but yeah, that I. Oh my God. Even for. Ext- yeah. It was like booked out. We did book opening night, like two hours before. So we got. I'm surprised you did that. I wouldn't have thought you'd, be- you would have been an opening night Oppenheimer. Kind of- <laughs> <laughs> That is so true. Lining up outside the front. Anyway, well, I'm going to see Barbie and then you'll be seeing so we can swap. We can, Oh, yeah, we let's can, do it. Yeah, next episode, let's back. chat. Yeah, okay. Well. What's on today's episode, Hannah? <laughs> I, I, forgot that we had to, I forgot that we had to do that. So I'm going to be doing a rapid fire with Matt on his skincare knowledge. We're talking to Dr. Kara on how does retinol actually work and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. So we're doing a rapid fire today, Matthew. Now, can you tell people that didn't listen to Mr. Beauty IQ, can you tell people what that was all about? It was Beauty IQ for men, but I mean, what does that even mean? It's basically (laughs) just really basic, basic, basic skincare that me and my housemate Eddie did for about four episodes. (laughs) Because we, yeah, are very much skincare beginners, so we needed to learn it all from the very beginning. And you both were working at a door at the time, so it made sense. And you've quizzed me, and now I'm going to quiz you Okay. (laughs) to see how much did you actually learn and how much do you actually remember from Mr. Beauty IQ. Okay. And for anyone listening, if you want to send your boyfriend Mr. BDIQ, you can just search it and find the four episodes on wherever you're listening to your podcasts. So let's get started. The first question is, what was the assignment that you sent Eddie on in the episode Mr. BDIQ, where it all begins? Of course. So, you know, a big thing with men getting into skincare is that uh, lots of them think that it's kind of taboo or it's weird or it's just not needed. Like men have different kind of skin. So Eddie plays in a footy club, a local footy club. So he <laughs> took his little voice recorder, like his, he turned his voice memo on in his iPhone <laughs> and just like after a game in the club rooms, just sort of cruised around without letting him know that he had like, the microphone on. It was just like, oh, mate, great game. What was that? Two goals, three behinds? Oh, that- anyway, so what do you do for, um, <laughs> what do you do with, for your vitamin C? <laughs> And just hearing these real burly blokes just, like, respond to it, it's really funny. How many behinds? One. Hit the post. Two. So, three goals, one behind? Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. When you get out of the shower after a game, yeah. do you use any moisturiser? 
No. What about at home? Yeah, no, I don't moisturise. Okay. What do you think of blokes? What do you think of blokes that do? I think if it helps your complexion, yeah, why not? I'm all for it. Yes, tick, you got that right. <laughs> Next. So when you called Joe to get her advice, how did she suggest you should order your products? Uh, thinnest to thickest. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Good one. Although Later in this episode, we talk to Dr. Cara McDonald and... Who flips that on the head. <laughs> who flips... Well, when it comes to retinol, she has a slightly amended recommendation. So, you'll have to listen to that. <laughs> Keep listening. All right. According to Sam from Advanced Skin Technology, what would be the leading cause of premature aging skin? Is it sun? Is it UV? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm killing this. UV exposure. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> Sam also mentioned that there was a difference between male and female skin health. What is that difference? Now, I definitely could be wrong here because the main thing we took away from it is that, like, I mean, <laughs> like, everyone has different skin. So, you know, skincare is applicable for everyone. But to speak broadly, is it that men have thicker skin? Yes. Good oh work. Check me out. So, male skin can be thicker in texture and skin thickness, plus more oily due to hormones. But I swear to God, I have way oilier skin than my boyfriend. But anyway. Yeah, and I think I have dry skin. Yeah, so, so it's thicker. Yeah. All right. So you and Eddie did one of those like skin age checks. What were your true <laughs> skin ages? Oh, God. I don't know. But it was something like... It was something like 70 or 80. No, it wasn't that high, but it was so high. It was It was high. It was like 35. You're way off. You were 25. 25. And Eddie was 23. Oh, so we're doing fine. That was younger than what we are when yeah. we <laughs> So you were doing really well. I remember when I did my skin age, it was 38 or something. And I was at the time, I think I was 30. But anyway, I did end up getting it underneath. I got it like lowered. I started using skincare and got my skin to like 28. So you can, I think you can get it down. That's good to know that you can actually get it down rather than just slow it down. You can actively bring back a few years. I think that I was working on the pigmentation and that sort of stuff increases your skin age. So I was trying to get that down. So the next one, what three basic skincare products does Dr. Ryan DeCruz from Southern Dermatology think we need to all have and what do they do? Start with the three products, the three basic skincare products. All right, check me out. It's cleanser, moisturize, and a little bit of SPF. Yes. And what does, can you tell me what each one does? What does cleanser do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, cleanser just cleans the skin, cleans whatever crap you got going yep. on, on there. Moisturizer uh, helps hydrate the skin. Yes. Good. And yes. SPF protects you from that bad, bad UV. Oh my God. You really do remember everything. Yep. That was a perfect answer. Do you reckon there are some people listening to this who like have listened to Beauty IQ for so long or just in general know so much about skincare and they're just like, God, how would I not know these answers? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Okay. What is the difference between a treatment or device that you would use at home versus one that you'd use in the clinic? Oh, I don't know. Like strength and yes. just- yeah, and just the know-how of how to use the tech. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So, the cl in-clinic <laughs> treatment dev or devices will be a lot stronger and the staff will be professionally trained. Okay. What did TeganMac.skin say a face mask actually is? 
Oh, yeah. See, this is actually something that I feel like I haven't retained because when I think of a face mask, I'm still just thinking of like that actual physical mask that you put over your face. Sheet mask? Yeah, sheet mask. But it doesn't have to be that, right? It can be a cream and that's still called a face mask. Yeah, see, I don't know. So... A mask refers to something, whether it's a sheet mask or a cream or a gel that you apply all over and leave on the skin for a specific amount of time, then you remove it. Okay. That's it. Uh, Okay, easy. (laughs) I feel like that was a trick question. All right. What was your PWDKWN on the last episode of Mr. Beauty IQ? Ooh. (laughs) It's your product. Yeah, I know, but was it my pillowcase? Yes, Shasilk pillowcase. Silk pillowcase, 100%. 100%. I'm using, yeah. You do? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you can't go back. Do you wash it and just put it on crinkled or do you iron it? I put it on crinkled. Yeah, I thought so. so. What do you do? (laughs) I actually haven't been using my silk pillowcase. I've been using my cotton jersey ones. How come? Because I like the bed to all be the same color. This is my weird thing. I get you. My bed's gray, so I have this jersey material. The sheet is gray. It's all the same gray and all four pillowcases are gray. Yeah. So I bought specifically so that it could, and then I wear a full grey, usually a full grey pajamas, and then it all just matches. <laughs> You're even grey. I match the bed, so <laughs> I'm just really into grey jersey at the moment. No, I'm into that. I mean, my whole bed is white, but I kind of like having the one defying aspect of it, which is my silk pillowcase, because it's sort of okay. That's my pillow. That's where I go. So when Caitlin's over, you know, there's no way. Now the question is: Does your girlfriend have a silk pillowcase, or just you? She does it at her house, but not at mine. She's due to the crappy oh, no, Anko <laughs> pillowcases I've got. <laughs> hey, I use I like Anko undies. They, I like them. I've got. I think they're quite good. Hey, Anko's awesome. That's the Kmart brand, by the way. It is, is good. good. Their undies are so good. Everything they do is pretty good. <laughs> All right, thank you, Matthew. I think you did pretty well. Ninety percent tip. I mean, let's just say Hundo. I, you know, skin mask was pretty close. I'm going to give you an A. Thank you, Hannah. So today we are joined again by Dr. Cara McDonald. She is really a friend of this podcast. She's a dermatologist and the director at Complete Skin Specialist. Welcome back to Beauty IQ Uncensored. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So just to give you background on this topic, my mum the other day asked a very seemingly simple question. She just She's using retinol at the moment and she said, but what is it actually doing? And so I said something like skin turnover, cell turnover. So I said, oh, I think I'm just going to get an expert on. So I think that's my first question. How does retinol actually work? That's a very good question. And it's something that I suppose most people don't really understand. We know it's kind of the gold standard for anti-aging and everyone knows that retinoids, retinols, are a form of vitamin A. So vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin that we ingest in our diet normally, but it's actually critical in cellular turnover and many of the mechanisms in the skin. And just a little interesting fact is that it is depleted in the skin with UV exposure. And a lot of people know they're not meant to use their, sorry, they are meant to use it at night because if they use it in the morning, it's depleted by UV. But actually our natural retinoids in the skin are also depleted by UV exposure. So there's another reason to use your sunscreen, just throw that in. But basically this vitamin A derivative, which is retinoid or in the skin, the active form is called retinoic acid. So all the topicals that we use get 
broken down or become retinoic acid as their active form. And retinoic acid has a number of receptors in the skin. And I think there's sort of three main things it does in the skin. And one is it regulates cell turnover. So it actually regulates the speed at which our epidermal cells turn over and also is responsible for cell death as well. So we we have these things called senescent cells in our skin and all through our body, which are the kind of cells that are slightly damaged, not functioning very well. And if they kind of hang around, they're quite toxic and actually can contribute further to our ageing signs. So retinoids actually help get rid of the the damaged cells and also stimulate the stem cells to turn over at a more regular, normal rate. So when you're thinking about the cell surface or the epidermis, I usually think of it a bit like a brick wall. If we don't have enough retinoid in our skin, it might be just a little bit of a crumbly wall, like it's not really put together quite properly. Our bricks might be a bit different shapes and sizes. And so it's just not the strongest of walls. Whereas if you add retinol, it actually all starts turning over at a more efficient rate and more consistent. And so you end up with a very tightly packed, really well-functioning wall by using it. And that's why it really helps our skin barrier. But initially the old crumbly wall has to fall off. So that's the epidermis. The second effect is on our fibroblasts, which are our collagen producing cells. So we have retinoid receptors on our fibroblasts and essentially it stimulates more collagen production. So we end up with more collagen in the dermis, which gives us a better integrity and thickness to the skin. It also decreases the MMPs, which are our matrix metalloproteinases, which are our enzyme that breaks down collagen. So again, increases collagen in the skin. And last but not least, it regulates the production of melanin in our melanocytes, which give us pigmentation. So, you know, you've got all these actions in the skin, which essentially give us a better surface layer with better turnover of the epidermis. We get more collagen over time, and that continues to improve for months and months after using topical retinoids. And last but not least, uh, decreased pigment production. When you have it in your skincare routine, what would be like the visual effects, I guess, of using retinol? Like what would be the benefits there? So if you put all that sort of science into practice, what we see and that, you know, we have, again, we have really good science behind this product, which is, or ingredient, which is where we actually know we can use it and see these results. And essentially we see a decrease in our fine lines and wrinkles. So that sort of crepiness and wrinkling of the skin continues to improve over six to 12 months using topical retinoid. That's the main, you know, obvious improvement. We also see just an improvement in your skin quality. So it tends to, you know, look more hydrated, more luminous, less dry, less flaky, because you're going to get a better, a better surface layer. So the epidermis is really just responsible for the glow and the appearance of our skin, whereas the collagen and the dermis is responsible more for our wrinkling and the integrity and structure of our skin. So because you get improvement in both those things, you really just get smoothing, a more glowy, better protection of your skin barrier. So that tends to decrease inflammation and make your skin just look better on the whole. And if you've got pigmentation problems, it can keep them at bay. So something like melasma. Uh, it might help some of that fade. Sounds like it does literally everything you want a skincare product to do. So it sounds really <laughs> enticing, but is there anything we should be sort of like conscious of before we just start whacking it on our face? Like if we've got really sensitive skin or if we have different skin yes. types, like how should we approach using retinol? Absolutely. This is obviously 
a huge topic because, yes, it sounds like this kind of wonder ingredient that's going to just fix everything, but at the strengths that have been proven to actually work, it can be very irritating and difficult to use. Mm. So as I was trying to explain to start with, because it sort of changes the way the cells are turning over and you've got these inadequate kind of cruddy brick walls to start with, what tends to happen is that as those cells start turning over and becoming better at the bottom, the top ones start shedding off. The skin can become very dry. It can become irritated. You actually lose a lot of your top layer and all of a sudden your skin becomes very exposed. And you've got to think of it like there's a better layer coming through and that's why it causes these side effects because it's kind of almost getting rid of that top layer, which is not working as well as it should anyway. But it can be very difficult for people with sensitive skin, dry skin, or even normal skin to tolerate it initially. So my advice is that there's many ways to get around that. One is start with a low strength version of it. And this is complicated in itself because there's different versions. There's retinols, there's retinaldehyde, there's retinoic acid. Retinoic acid is the one that's actually been studied and has really the science behind it to give the results, but it's actually prescription only. So most people don't start with that strength. They will start with an over-the-counter version. And it's very hard to know, even if it says retinol 0.1%, it's very hard to know actually what strength ingredient you are getting and what impact that will then have on your skin, because it depends on the delivery vehicle And most brands actually don't have testing behind their version of retinoid to see how it compares to our gold standard. So at the end of the day, it's a little bit of trial and error. And if you're not getting any side effects or change in your skin when you're starting a retinoid or a retinol, it probably isn't a particularly strong one. It may not give you the results that we know can occur down the track. So starting with a low one, though, can help build tolerance. So you start improving the skin slowly, building up your duration. So often with the stronger versions, we tell people to just apply it for a short time at night, five or 10 minutes to start with, and then cleanse their face gently and put a moisturizer on and build that up until they're not getting too much dryness or peeling. You need to know that it's not the end of the world if you get a bit of dryness peeling. So long as it's not stinging, burning, very red and a severe reaction, then you can have a night off and then go again. So there's lots of different ways to do it, but it's increase the amount, increase the frequency and increase the strength of the product as you go to ultimately get to the point where you can tolerate one that should have those results. And then it's understanding that this is a three to 12 month process of seeing the full results with retinoids. So it's worth building up slowly and taking your time and then sticking with it. And I hear so often that people say, oh, well, I'm not getting any reaction anymore, so I stopped it because it mustn't be working and I've tried something else. But it's actually once you get to the point where your skin has normalised that you'll start to see the real benefits down the track. Does that mean it should be the first thing you do in your nighttime routine because if you're putting it on and then cleansing and then moisturizing is that right like you would do retinol first because otherwise you'd just be washing everything off so normally you would cleanse first and then the first ingredient should be a retinol or retinoid in your nighttime routine and i would generally suggest that if you are introducing a retinoid for the first time that 
it should be your only step in your nighttime routine initially okay. uh, rather than combining it with other active ingredients because that might increase your side effects. So it's best to actually start with cleanse, retinoid, and then just a plain moisturiser until you're confident that your skin is tolerating it. And then it's possible to add in other active ingredients over the top. I mean, a lot of people ask about which order you should put things in and most answers say go from thinnest to thickest and and that's makes sense because your thinnest one will absorb and then whereas if you apply something greasy you're not going to be able to put a serum over the top it's not going to penetrate deeply but you also need to think about where your ingredient is going so if you're putting a retinoid on and then you're using a hyaluronic acid serum which is just a moisturizing layer for the surface, you definitely want your retinoid on first, even if it's in a cream, because that needs to penetrate to your dermis. Like you want that to be going in deep. So we want to think about where are we targeting. So a retinoid needs to go to the dermis. A hyaluronic acid, even if it's in a serum, is actually only a surface layer treatment. It is actually hydrating your very top layer of the skin only. So there's no point putting that one on first and then your retinoid. You need to think about where you're trying to get your ingredient to go to. But yeah, back to your question. At night, we would definitely use it first so that it penetrates the deepest and then make sure you wait before you start adding other ingredients in. The other thing we do need to be aware of is that the oral form, so the ingested prescription tablet form of these retinoids is known to cause birth defects during pregnancy. So we do recommend, particularly with prescription strength retinoids, that people don't use them if they're planning or are pregnant. Having said that, there have been a number of review studies looking at the history of people that were using these creams when they became pregnant and there have never been any increased numbers of birth defects recorded due to the use of topicals, only oral medication. So it's something that's reassuring if you're using a cream and do become pregnant, it's very, very, very unlikely to be any issue. But because there is the association with the oral forms, we usually just recommend that it's not the best thing to use if you are planning pregnancy. How does retinol impact the aging process and the appearance of wrinkles? As I mentioned earlier, we actually see a decrease in the concentration of retinoid in the skin naturally with age, and that is exacerbated by UV exposure as well. So if we actually add that retinoid back in topically, we get that stimulation of collagen and improved cell turnover. So we actually can see a significant change in those signs of photoaging over time. And the studies have shown that the improvement in fine lines and wrinkles continue over about 10 months after starting a prescription strength topical retinoid. So it's something that becomes better and better with time. You know, I always instruct my patients that this is really, if they're using it for anti-aging purposes, it is for life, right? There's no point getting your skin used to it and then thinking, right, I should try something else now because adding that extra retinoid into the skin will continue to let that skin function optimally, produce as much collagen as it can, have a good cell turnover rate, reduce your pigmentation. So if you can get your skin to tolerate it, you can build up in strength if possible, depending on which brand you're using or go to a stronger one. 
but it's definitely an ongoing thing. Use it at night, avoid using it in the morning because it is broken down by UV. So it's less effective if you use it in the morning. And also it can make your skin a little photosensitive or sensitive to sunlight. So it's best to make sure you're using good sun protection as well. If you're using really strict sun protection and a good quality, you know, retinoid, you know, even if you did no other active ingredients, you know, you're probably 80 or 90% as good as you can get with your topical skincare routine. Like the other ingredients start adding the two to five percenters. Wow. Yeah. You know, you're probably your next highest bang for your buck is a really good quality antioxidant in the morning. But if you've got those three things, a good antioxidant, a good retinoid and sun protection, you know, you are winning even on your lazy days. That's what I try to do. That's great (laughs) advice. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cara. Where can people, if they're interested in coming to see you or looking at you online, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Cara underscore dermatologist. I've got a very long waiting list, so (laughs) (laughs) contact contact my clinic if you want an appointment, but good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. My pleasure. Lovely to chat to you both. Okay, product we didn't know we needed time. We are joined again by Gerard Richardson, Head of Brands and Campaign Marketing at Adore Beauty. Gerard, thank you for joining us again. Oh, just backed by popular demand, you know. Oh, my God. Just making sure I'm getting the gigs. We're getting just nonstop messages. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, TikTok is going off for me, Matt. So oh, yeah? That's true. What's going on? Have you not seen the boys first for me on TikTok? I haven't. Oh, you're missing out. Is this on Adore Beauty TikTok or is this on your personal? Yeah. So I'm not just a diversity, you know, person anymore, people. Like, I'm there to get the thirst trap. What are they saying? <laughs> what was the video of? I think there was someone who was like, oh, we need to get to know Gerard. Like, Gerard's skin is looking really good. Who is this guy? We need to know who he is. And then my friend <laughs> went through and posted my Instagram to all the messages. Oh, my God. A star is born. Did you get any new follows on Insta? Or DM? Look, I don't think they've quite connected, but that's okay. Have you ever experienced that before? Like an online flooding of messages? I've never had like an online flooding of messages. But what I have had is when I did the Kerastase um, Genesis Home article and that was being promoted, guys on dating apps would be like, you look really familiar. Like, why Why do I know you? Like, is it because of this article? And they're like, yes, I've seen you in this article. Made it all over Facebook. Yeah, it works quite well. Like, it's a great tip. Making dreams come true, Adore Beauty. <laughs> well, no, Matt, still single at 30. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gerard, what's your product you didn't know you needed today? So my one, I have been road testing for quite a few months now. So when I was at the L'Oreal office last, I stole. I 100% stole. There is a new collection that has just come out called Kerastase Symbios, and it's an anti-dandruff range. It's their first kind of proper anti-dandruff collection. And there is a scrub or like a a peel, they're calling it, a shampoo, and then also a serum. And it's actually the serum that is my product. We didn't know we need it. I even have it here. The reason why I say that is because I always think of a shampoo for your anti-dandruff needs, but never the serum. And so I feel like this is actually the star contender out of all of them. The peel's really nice because it's got these like 
beads that explode and help to exfoliate. And then the shampoo is nice because it calms and it's not very stripping. But this is actually like the goat. And I find this calms the irritation and you put it in at night and you're not needing heaps. So for me, this one is the good one. I like the sound of the exploding scrub. That's very cool. They call it a peel. And that is very, very nice. Mm -hmm. So for me, like, I would recommend you get this dandruff collection is almost like a treatment and then use your normal one, your normal shampoos as well. So you could put this into your routine. And plus it's very chic packaging. The color combo, they did very well. Yeah. So that was my pick for this week. Great. And Hannah, what's yours for today? So Gerard's gone for a bougie hair product and I'm going to go for uh, this one is actually more on the affordable side. It's the Paul Mitchell Instant Moisture Conditioner. It is only $25.95 and basically it's a conditioner for dry hair. So I've been using this one. I find it's because obviously I've got really dry hair, curly. So this one's really good for dry and dehydrated hair. It helps to improve like the manageability, helps to repair damage. It also provides UV protection. And it's, I think one of the main ingredients is panthenol, which is something that you use on your skin for like deep hydration of the skin. So it will help to repair the hair, strengthen the cuticle and improve elasticity. It's also got soy proteins and shea butter. I just find it's like really moisturizing. I think the price is really good. And if you've got sort of dry and sort of frizzy hair, the instant moisture collection, I think it's got a shampoo and a conditioner. That would be really good if you have sort of that dry, curly, frizzy hair. Paul Mitchell is a dark horse. It's been around for a long time. It has. Not a lot of people sort of know that it's there. It is like worth getting into. It's a sell-on pro brand, like definitely worth giving a go. I think it's such a good price, $26 mm. for like a salon conditioner. Now that I've tried that one, I've got a few more of their products that I'm going to give a go. So far, loving it. I think it's the Hot Press like the, is one of their top products, the one that you use for straightening or blow drying, something like the oh, Hot Press. Oh, what's that? That's like their top product. Oh, Paul Mitchell Hot Off the Press. Oh, Hot I was close. Okay. That's like a heat start. Uh, yeah. It protects against heat damage and fights frizz. That sounds really good. Yeah, that's their top product. Okay, got to give that one a go. It's got good reviews. So we've spoken about vitamin A on this episode. So I thought it would be worth talking about. Dr. Kara had said, you know, start low and then like mm. build up your retinol as you go. And one of the most popular and best-selling retinols, all three from the range are actually in the bestsellers list. It's mm. Medicaid, Crystal, Retinol. And they've got four in the range. They've got... Number one, number three, number six, number 10. So each of the like strengths, it goes up. So if you were like, I don't know where to begin and then I don't know how to increase my strength, you could use all the same brand. It's basically the same product. It's just got a different strength of retinol. And if you've got sensitive skin, you would start with retinol number one and then you would sort of move your way up. If you don't have sensitive skin, you know, you could start on probably the number three and then you know, move your way up to a number 10. So I feel like for anyone that's like not sure, they're kind of our best sellers of vitamin A's. I feel like that would be a really good place to start if you're not using retinol and that interview with Dr. Kara has sort of helped you make a decision to start using it. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I was going to ask you, because uh, no, I'm not using retinol. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you off air. So what one do you think I should get? <laughs> so that's a good that's a good one. Are you a level 10 strength 
user? No, I'm not. I listened to that episode and was like, I've really got to start using retinol. Oh, you're not even really using it. I'm not really at the moment because my skin, like as she said, like really doesn't tolerate it with all my other skincare ingredients. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop as she says, that was such a good, that was really good advice. Stop everything else, mm. just use retinol. And then you can like slowly start adding in like the antioxidant in the morning. Cause I just don't think my skin can tolerate multiple active ingredients and retinol. It can tolerate, I'm using vitamin C, vitamin B, hyaluronic acid. Like I'm using those ingredients. Mm. It's just, I'm not Retinol, I'm I'm just I get I get scared, but I like I'm gonna do that. Just use retinol for like a month or whatever, yeah. And then start adding in other stuff. No, that seems like a good idea. It seems like it's the product that you should be building your skincare routine around. Around because if that's it, she's saying it's a ninety percent or like ninety five percent or whatever. Yeah, yeah, eighty, yeah. eighty, yeah, totally. So I've really learned something from that episode. I think I knew retinol. I was just so I get scared to use it, but that's probably. Probably because I'm mixing it with other things and I need to stop that. So, I'll report back. No, so will I. Let's both start and we'll start. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, beginnings with retinol and Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yes. Love. (laughs) Great. Perfect. perfect. That's like the perfect mix. Barbenheimer and retinol. (laughs) We'll throw in some basketball as well. Perfect. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.